0: Hello, I'm Frankie Wolf, and this is Kick-Ass Kentucky Women Writers, where we chat each month with some of the most amazing women writing all across Kentucky. Today we're talking to Cynthia Ellingson, a contemporary women's fiction writer. From Michigan via Los Angeles, Cynthia put down roots in Lexington about a decade ago and she's been writing here ever since. Her work is both heartwarming and funny, the kind of books I'd while away the hours with, while lying in the hammock, a glass of wine and some chocolates close at hand. Her first book, The Whole Package, focuses on three estranged friends who find their way back together and open a scandalous restaurant. Her follow-up, Marriage Matters, tests family bonds when three generations of women plan to get married on the same day. Cynthia's new novel will be in stores on April 4th. A romantic comedy with an element of mystery, The Lighthouse Keeper is a determined woman's attempt to redeem her family name by finding a long-lost treasure. She digs up some small-town secrets and romance along the way. Welcome to our show, Cynthia. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited about The Lighthouse Keeper. It's my favorite Cynthia Ellingson book so far. Yay! (laughs) It's got your signature all over it because it's got funny characters, awkward situations, and snappy dialogue. All three things that I really love about your work. But there's this element of mystery and intrigue at the center, and that's something different from what we've seen from you before. So what inspired you to write this book?
1: Oh gosh, you know it's it's a summer read, and when I was growing up over the summer, I would read mysteries. I would read the Trixie Belden series, which is kind of like Nancy Drew, but Trixie, uh, you know, she. She had this wildly cast of characters all around her and all sorts of fun things would happen. And so that's always been in my blood associated, I think, with summertime reading. And so I really wanted to put something like that in one of my books. And then this one, it was finally the right time to do that. Yeah. And how exciting was it to be writing about Lake Michigan? Oh, so fun. So fun to go back there. Yeah. Yeah. That's where I grew up, as you mentioned earlier, yeah. was in Michigan. And so um, it holds a very special place in my heart
0: you know we're talking about this main character in the lighthouse keeper she goes and she buys a lighthouse right to to fix up and you know our average reader is not going to know much about a lighthouse so what kind of research did you have to do to write this book
1: oh man i watched i actually went to the library and i checked out tons of videos on lighthouses and that was probably the most educational thing but also there was one day where my uncle and I, we went on a lighthouse tour up in northern Michigan. And when I say tour, I mean, I don't mean that we were guided through um, a lighthouse on a tour. We actually just kind of toured around ourselves and looked at different lighthouses. And they have these wonderful museums up in northern Michigan where they talk about things like the Fresnel Light and have one on display and just the different History and pictures and this and that, um, and then of course google 's a wonderful resource as well. I did a lot of online research, um, but I think that the videos really stamped in what we saw that one day on the lighthouse tour.
0: What kind of research did you do around treasure hunting
1: around treasure hunting? I, you know, I would love to say that I found some huge treasure, and that 's where that came from, but i just I tried to think of what would be a realistic treasure for Um, that would A, be on a ship and be transported, and then B, be so valuable uh, at this point, you know, 100 years after the fact, without it being some big, you know, bars of gold and this and that. So with the Morgan Silver Dollars, there, you know, there was just a a small quantity that was on the ship, and that's what was lost, but again, because of the imprint on them, um, they ended up being a huge treasure trove. So I wanted to go with something like that. And I, you know, I think old coins are so intriguing and mm-hmm. so fascinating. There is
0: another treasure though. The whiskey. At the bottom oh of the lake. <laughs> yeah. No, it's true.
1: <laughs> at the bottom of the lake, he was, uh, the ship captain, he was working for some unscrupulous people during prohibition and transporting illegal whiskey, uh, along with, you know, the silver that was on board and the whiskey is still trapped there even to this day. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if it were real.
0: If it were real, of course.
1: (laughs) Let's hear a little bit from the lighthouse keeper. I'm going to start at chapter two in the lighthouse keeper. And this is where Dawn, the main character, she is returned to Starlight Cove, which is, in a sense, her hometown. She doesn't really have a hometown. So this is what has to count for one because this is where her family uh, lineage is from. And she's just purchased the lighthouse at government auction and arrived at Starlight Cove. And she suddenly starts to think that perhaps this was the dumbest thing she possibly could have done. Chapter two. I stood on the beach of Starlight Cove and stared up at the lighthouse. Over a hundred years of wear, and it still stretched strong towards the sky. Iron balustrades circled the thick panes of glass at the top and a lone seagull rested on the railing, its feathers ruffling in the early morning breeze. Shielding my eyes from the sun, I called, How does it look from up there? The seagull gave me a disdainful glare before soaring across the inky blue of Lake Michigan. I secured a loose strand of hair and let out a deep breath. I couldn't believe the lighthouse belonged to me. When I was in Boston, buying the lighthouse at auction had seemed like a good idea, Now I couldn't help but think I'd made the biggest mistake of my life. The lighthouse seemed sturdy on the outside, but who knew what it looked like, or smelled like, inside? Maybe there was still a chance the second highest bidder could take it off my hands. I was scheduled to meet with the General Services Administration agent later that afternoon to get the keys and do a walkthrough. I could tell him I had changed my mind and hoped for the best. "'Don Connors?' a voice called. I snapped out of my reverie and stared. A gorgeous guy in his mid-thirties dragged a rickety rowboat through the water. His dark hair was windblown, cheeks rough with stubble, and his navy t-shirt clung to a strong upper body. He flashed me a smile I felt all the way down to my toes. Are you Don, he called. Yes, I said, smoothing my hair. Who on earth was he? I was at the beach because I had a meeting set up with Kipling Whitaker, an older gentleman who frequented my parents' antique shop. According to my mother, he wanted to discuss my family history. I was eager to talk with him because, while I was in town, I planned to prove my great-grandfather's innocence to the insurance company. I figured it would be helpful to talk to someone close to his generation. So I was a little confused to see some guy with bulging biceps calling my name. I watched as he tossed a bowline knot over a metal pole and cinched it with a firm tug. The rope went taut, along with his upper arms. Then he jogged across the sand and came to a halt next to the boardwalk. Midnight blue eyes surveyed my fitted linen dress, bare legs, and low pumps. In a voice much too husky for polite conversation, he said, "'You always wear high heels to the beach.' I flushed. Even though Libby liked to say that my fitted dresses and pinned-up hair made me look like a candidate for public office, I didn't expect to hear it from a stranger. Depends on the day, I shot back. Do you always look like you rolled out of bed? He grinned. You're already thinking about me in bed? I have an appointment with Kipling Whitaker, I said. If you don't mind, I'd like to... You can call me Kip. Ugh, I couldn't believe this. The fact that my mother had led me to believe that this guy was a gentleman of a certain age meant that she was up to one thing, matchmaking. In her mind, I came to Starlight Cove for a fun, relaxing summer vacation. That assessment could not be further from the truth. The last thing I wanted to do was waste time flirting with some rumple-haired playboy, especially one named Kip. Sorry for the confusion, I straightened my shoulders. My mother made it sound like you were more mature. His blue eyes sparkled. Ouch. Older, I clarified. She said you were older. Maybe we should go straight to breakfast, he gave me another once-over. That dress wouldn't last long on my houseboat. Even though I was 99.9% sure he didn't mean it like that, I was mortified. He had to know my mother was aiming for a love match, if he was even... I glanced at his hand, no ring, yep, he was single. I decided to clear up the matter right away. I don't know what my mother told you, I said, but I'm not here for a hookup. A hookup? Kip laughed. Do you mean a setup? It's the same thing. He raised his eyebrows, and I realized my mistake. I felt like milk was coming out of my nose all over again. With as much dignity as I could muster, I said, You know what I mean. Either way, I didn't want you to get the wrong idea. It didn't even cross my mind, he said cheerfully. Most of my hookups don't happen at nine in the morning. But if they did, your lovely blonde hair wouldn't be stuck up in that bun. His eyes met mine. It would be fanned out against my pillow. As I struggled to find something, anything, to say to that, he said, Come on, fancy pants. I know just the place we can talk.
0: Fancy pants. Ah, fancy pants. <laughs> it makes me laugh every time. <laughs> Thank you. And and that's something about your work. When I'm reading your work, I find myself giggling. Mm, A lot. <laughs> um, you know, in person, you're funny. You always make me laugh. Um. But your sense of humor comes out in your characters really well. Um, when I look at it, what makes it funny, what I see is this really keen observation of characters' habits, their personalities, and their picadillos. Mm. You know, one thing I, I love about Dawn is that she has this whole cabinet's worth of condiments in her purse all the time. <laughs> <laughs> so these little tiny details, you know, that and fancy pants, the, just the, the way that people interact with one another make it really funny, and it, it does make a really fun summer read. Um, but you know, I can be funny in person, but I cannot write humor. (laughs) Hmm. So how do you sharpen that skill?
1: That's a really good question. And gosh, I, I don't even know. Um, I think that maybe what you said that instead of trying to be funny, um, in writing the things that actually end up being funny are things that are real life observations of people and their weird habits and you know, the things that make us human are oftentimes the things that are the most outrageous. And, uh, more than once I, I told you a story earlier, um, that we won't broadcast on the air, but, <laughs> uh, that was, is so funny, but, and I almost put it up on social media, but it's so funny that it's com- completely unbelievable. Yeah. No one would, no one would realize or believe that that was a true story or anything that actually happened. And so I think that, um, making sure that things are grounded in reality and just kind of writing from there i guess the funny comes out from that
0: cuz i've seen people who carry around packets of honey or ketchup or whatever in their pocketbook you know
1: what i love about her is that she puts honey in chai tea yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's pretty sweet
0: <laughs> speaking of sweet i told you i was going to ask you this oh yeah so in the whole package, chocolate croissant showed up on page one or so, Yum. maybe page two. I mean, they're right there at the beginning. Um, and there's a lot of cakes and cookies in Marriage Matters. Mm. Lighthouse Keeper, I'm always smelling the fudge. So sweets are almost a character. So why it makes me crave chocolate? And actually, I brought some chocolate with me, and I'm going <gasps> to eat a piece of chocolate while you answer
1: this question. Oh, fantastic! Is it? Wow, that yes. is. It's dark chocolate. Wow, chocolate. chocolate. That looks delicious. Um, okay, so sweets in books. I think, you know, I'm I'm definitely guilty of reading and eating at the same time. I always have a snack when I'm reading. Actually, you know what? No, I see food and life going hand in hand, 100%. And so in my books, um, there I use certain touch points to kind of create aware. And you mentioned the fudge in mm-hmm. The Lighthouse Keeper. And Northern Michigan is actually known for its fudge. And so that's one thing um, that I definitely wanted to include in there to have as part of the environment. And, um, as for, there's another food I think that stands out in the lighthouse keeper and that's the pancakes. Oh yes. Yes. There's a little restaurant called towboat and, um, there's pancakes in it. And something to me about pancakes is just so incredibly warm and cozy and delicious. And I wanted that association with, Um, this new life that Dawn is experiencing because she's, you know, part of her problem is she just feels so lost at sea. She feels so off kilter. And when she comes back home to Starlight Cove, she finally finds that comfort that she's been seeking her entire life. So um, to have pancakes and comfort foods and things like that, uh, I guess that's why that's in there.
0: Both the whole Package and Marriage Matters have been translated into other languages. And if I remember right, Package spent some time in the top 10 Kindle reads in Italy. So what's it been like to see your books translated and repackaged for foreign readers? Because I've noticed that the covers are different, and they have interesting book trailers in Italy. You know, What kind of contact have you had with these readers in Europe?
1: Oh my gosh, it's been so much fun to see them translated into different languages. And Italy is one of my absolute favorite countries, and so to have it translated those two translated into Italian it was just an absolute joy uh, and to hear from readers you know and to think oh my gosh this person is sitting there in Italy writing to me right now was it, it's just incredibly exciting and it's such an honor and it's also really fun to see with the covers and the different titles to see what it is that uh, they choose or how how they choose to portray um, this book. I guess to market to their to their audience and to their readers, and the the cover for the whole package um, in Italy was just incredibly beautiful. It was just there's a strawberry on the cover and this um, hauntingly beautiful girl, and um, I, you know I would have picked it up and read it.
0: Yeah, it looks so different. I was surprised. Yeah, it's, <laughs> uh, yeah. So also with your first two books, you spent a lot of time visiting with women's book clubs, either in person and you did some virtual ones as well. So what's that experience like?
1: There is nothing more fun than walking into a room full of women who have read your book and who want to talk about it because there's so many different things that you can talk about in book clubs. And it's so much fun to see what it is people want to discuss. Um, And sometimes it's something completely random, like a side character that they fell in love with, or also, you know, true confessions happen. Women will start saying, you know, this reminded me of this in my life, and this is why it struck a chord with me, and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And so um it's it's an honor, actually, to hear those stories and to think that they've related in some way to this stuff that you've just, you know, written and made up.
0: Yeah. yeah, it's what keeps us going as writers, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So are you going to do more with The Lighthouse Keeper?
1: Oh, yeah, I would love to. I have on my website that if you're not local... Um, that I'm more than happy to Skype into book clubs, and I've done that several times, and, and that's really interesting. I get motion sick, you know, so it's it gets a little tricky, <laughs> but, uh, um, but that's so much fun. So, yeah, I intend to do that with the Lighthouse Keepers. Well, I've already got a couple of um, book club visits scheduled that I'm excited about, so. That
0: is exciting. Yeah. What can we
1: expect you to do next, Cynthia? Well, Frankie, that is a wonderful question. Uh, <laughs> I, think, I think next what I would love to do... Uh, I would love for Starlight Cove to become a series because I fell in love with the town when I was writing about it. And um, there's a line in the book, and unfortunately I can't remember exactly what it is, but something along the lines of this town is packed with stories and this time it just happens to be about us. And I think that that's completely true about Starlight Cove. And so right now I'm working on a follow-up book um, for that. And then I'm also writing middle grade and so hopefully I'll we'll be able to get one of those on the shelf here shortly. That's been a lot of fun.
0: Well, thanks for chatting with me, Cynthia. It's been a great
1: pleasure. Thank you, Frankie. It's been so nice to see you <laughs> and to talk with you and uh, to be on your show. And I would like to thank so much to your listeners. And I really hope that um, they enjoy The Lighthouse Keeper. And I love to hear from readers. So if you do give it a read, please reach out to me on social media or by email. And I would, I would love to hear what you think. Definitely pick up the book
0: and enjoy your time in Starlight Cove. I know I did. So The Lighthouse Keeper will be available in bookstores on April 4th, or you can pre-order your copy on Amazon. You can (laughs) check out Cynthia on LEX 18 at noon on Wednesday, April 5th, or on ABC 36 Good Day Kentucky at 9 a.m. on Thursday, April 6th. You can come out and meet her and have her sign your copy of The Lighthouse Keeper at Joseph Beth Booksellers on Sunday, April 8th, noon. For more information about Cynthia Ellingson, you can visit her website at www.cynthiaellingson.com. Tune in to Kick-Ass Kentucky Women Writers next month when I'll be talking to the lipstick hick herself, Appalachian poet and artist, Misty Marie Rae Skaggs. I'm your host, Frankie Wolf. Thanks for listening.